Welcome to the Retail Ready Podcast Season 2, hosted by Ben Wyatt. Your destination for food trends, business talk, and some serious knowledge bombs about the food industry. Before we start, a huge thank you goes to Worth Foods, who are our podcast sponsor. Worth Foods believe that enjoying a snack is an opportunity to pause for a moment, even when you're on the go. So next time you're listening to a Retail Ready podcast, grab a Worth Foods bar and enjoy a delicious pause moment in your day. Visit worthfoods.com.au for more information. Now let's get on with today's Retail Ready podcast episode. Welcome back to season two of the Retail Ready podcast. And we're just going to go straight into the first guest. I'm pleased to have Hayley Westby on the show. And Hayley, welcome to the Retail Ready podcast and welcome to season two. Thank you for having me. It's really exciting. This is pretty cool. So you were just saying offline then, you were the one a couple of weeks ago that made me kind of kick myself up the arse and go... I absolutely love doing this podcast. Uh, I struggled to find time, um, I'd say, over the last 12 months, 12 to 15 months. And after your speech and your presentation um, at a, an event we'll, we'll chat about later, mm. you made me realize, go, nah, if, it, if it's worth it, you will find the time. Mm. And yeah, I've told myself I'm going to find the time. And mm. uh, that's credit to yourself. And now you're a guest on the show. <laughs> so. I, know, I know. It's like, it's it's very exciting. I feel very humbled to be that person that's kind of kicked you into gear. But I think that like, you know, I think so many people can use the analogy with like fitness or health or, you know, work or anything. And it's like, you know, for people that consistently say to me, I don't have time. It's like, what if you rephrase that and say it's not a priority and see how that makes you feel? Mm, and very true like, very true oh okay maybe it is a priority but I'm just not making it a priority right now so I'm I'm very happy <laughs> to be first first back on here but um I mean like I said to you before you're the one doing all the heavy lifting love it love it well the knowledge bombs are flowing already and before people go Ben what the hell is retail ready because I've never done season one but first of all Hayley who are you what do you do and let's go from there Okay, I am Hayley. I um, run a business called Gambit Collective, which essentially is a pay-as-you-go marketing agency, which uh, is, I mean, I like to put it really bluntly. I don't really have much of a filter when it comes to describing my business. And it's, you know, we're everything that a big agency is not. We're personable, flexible, we're hands-on, and you can pay as you go. So um, if you just need, for example, you know, social media assistance, then you can just pay for that. If you just need, you know, a strategy or a plan, then you can just pay for that. Um, So I've been in the marketing and advertising industry for about 11 years now um, and started my own business two years ago um, to be able to help um, the people that kind of miss out on the opportunity to work with experts uh because of the price tags interesting interesting and so as mentioned at the start we met because you gave a a fantastic presentation um at an epac so epac uh a legends um (laughs) they've kind of they're kind of mixing things up in australia they're they're now doing digital printing for pouches um here in australia which was probably unheard of um very unheard of for the cost that these guys are producing for as well. So they um, they 
did a function where they invited all their kind of customers um, and Haley, and I, I actually really had fun to be honest. It went on for longer than I thought. Um, <laughs> it went on for hours, but I actually really enjoyed it. And you gave a speech, Haley, and a presentation about personal branding, and that's what I wanted to touch on today because as most people have listened and probably followed my journey over LinkedIn, LinkedIn has been a platform for me that has not only helped me develop as a person, uh, helped me share kind of my interests and stuff like that to people who are in the industry uh, that I follow and work for, but it's also been a massive money earner. And I'm not afraid of saying that, like all the people that I need to sell uh, my products to are on LinkedIn. And you you just did a phenomenal speech and a, a presentation about personal branding. And I just wanted to touch on that um, a little in this podcast about what you do with clients, what is personal branding to start with, and, um, and using LinkedIn and uh, other kind of strategies that you, you do with um, individuals and clients. Yeah. I mean, so my business, we kind of focus around three key pillars. We've got um, brand marketing, which is really super broad, but it allows people, as I said, to kind of pick the things that they need support with and for us to kind of plug into their businesses and, and help them that way. So brand marketing is the first pillar. The second pillar is social media. So again, helping people with content, um, you know, whether that's writing the content for them on LinkedIn, whether that's creating video content for them, whether it's, you know, managing their social media profiles. And then the third pillar is personal branding. And it really isn't something that I started my business with the intention to, you know, do. I think personal Mm. branding is something that I actually didn't realize the importance of it until I started my own business. And I've been lucky enough to um, build a, you know, a hundred percent inbound business. I've not had to pay for any ads or anything like that, all because of my personal brand and the strength of it. And I think when people go, you know, what is personal branding and what is a personal brand? Personal brand, everyone has one. Like it's not something Mm. that you just like, you're not born with or, you know, it's not something that you don't develop over time. Everybody has a personal brand, but personal branding is like the effort to communicate and present your value to the world, right? So being able to share what the, you know, I always say, what is it that you want people to say about you when you leave a room? And I think that for me is is the essence of, of, of a personal brand. And for me, being able to help people, one of the kind of biggest things that I had when I started my business was so many people coming to me being like, you know, you're so great at posting on Instagram and LinkedIn and, you know, how do I become better or how do I become more confident or how do I know what to talk about? And for me, I really realized within that moment that there's not many people, you know, you know, the LinkedIn and the platforms of the world are doing these huge education pieces around why the platform serves a purpose and what the platform can help with. But no one is really sitting there helping these individuals that want to be on the platform to create their voice or share their story in a way that's, you know, consumable and like digestible and easy to understand. Um, so with our personal branding clients in particular, Uh, We kind of help them. There's kind of, I suppose, two different types of clients that we work with. There's, Mm. and quite bluntly, the the clients that are like, hey, I know I need to be doing this, but I, I don't have the time and I'm happy to outsource it. So can you do it? 
absolutely. Great. People actually do that. Yeah, absolutely. Ghostwriting is <laughs> huge. Like people don't realize mm. it is called ghostwriting because you obviously mm. it, it is seemingly written by you. But we kind of take every like all of our clients' tone of voices. We do a very in-depth kind of questionnaire and briefing um, every three months with them in terms of you know what their focuses are, what they want to be talking about. Um, the way in which they communicate and the style in which they communicate because everyone communicates differently um, and we prepare that content for them on their behalf, right? We map out their plan, um, what they want to write. We work with them and obviously they check it all off before um, we post it out. Um, so they're kind of the first barrel of clients that we have. Then we also have clients that either don't have the cash flow available to them to, to pay for a service like that um, but they're also clients that are like, I just want to learn, but I just don't know where to go. And I don't want to spend hundreds and thousands on a course when I can't mm-hmm. ask the person a question in real life. Um, and I think, you know, they just, they just, they just need their handheld to be honest with you about like, you know, bouncing ideas off somebody that knows what they're doing. So we also offer, um, kind of coaching one-on-one so people can literally just as again you know pay as you go and you book in Mm -hmm. a one-hour session and we kind of work with you on what you want help with um and you know we've we've had clients that have been with us for you know a year that you know come every month and they book in every month religiously we've got clients that book in weekly we've got clients that book in for two weeks and then we never see them again because they've got all of the the info that they need help yep. with. And that's really what I want. Like I feel like our coaching um, offering is really how a great personal trainer should be. Like it should be, you know, that person educating them to, you know, and to give them enough knowledge that they then walk away knowing everything that they need to know to be able to do it themselves. Yep. that And that's fascinating because, a lot of people will know what a personal trainer does in a gym sense, but there's so many other aspects of personal training, mm. um, put it as that, like in so many different areas, yeah. whether it's yeah presentation coaching, whether it's what you're doing, personal branding, or just um, just any form uh, to be, be a better person, to be honest. So just a question because I'll, I'll and this is why I do this podcast because mm-hmm. I meet fascinating people I learn something hopefully other people do as well but I always said even if it's just my mum listening to these podcasts then uh, I don't care but going back to the the client a types that um get you to ghostwrite and stuff mm-hmm. like that is are they doing it just on one platform or are they are they basically saying, I'll run my life, can you just run my digital life uh, per se? Or is it is it bigger than that? Or are you just kind of just being, yeah, their kind of digital uh, pocket kind of thing and just presenting their message and making sure they're interacting with the right people? Like where where does that go? Yeah, look, I think there's different scales of it, right? Like all of our clients, and this sounds very cliche, but none of them are the same, right? Like we might have some clients that come to us that love writing, but to be able to make a punchy post that people actually understand what they're trying to get across. Yeah, got you. So they might, we might work the other way where they brain dump everything into a Word document and we might get 12 pages of copy that we then make into 60 different posts, right? Alternatively, we do have clients as well that are literally like, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, we look after everything for them from writing the posts to shooting the content to taking the photos, like all of that. Um, And then there's the in-between, you know, the ones that, again, we will write the copy. Some some of the biggest things and the biggest issues that I see with the clients that 
that come to us is there's a huge phobia around clicking post. Huge. Like people know what they want to say, but Mm -hmm. the daunting feeling that they get when they go to hit post, all these thoughts come in and go, what will my colleagues think of me? What will people think of me? Am I being too too wanky? Like, am I trying to be too funny? Like, you know, and all these thoughts come in and then they just don't post it and they never post it. Um, So I think, you know, that that's one real, you know, pain point that we see for a lot of our clients. So in that instance, they typically will share a lot of the content. We will finesse it and make sure it kind of, um, you know, it's easy to read and it's easy to digest. And then we'll post for them on their behalf. And then there's the other way where clients don't know what to write, but they're happy to hit post. So we'll write that content, share it with them, and then they post it over the course of the month. Interesting. And and your your presentation from the other week has just come back into my head and sorry to put you on the spot here, but I remember I remember leaving and just kind of was like nodding my head throughout the whole presentation. (laughs) But you mentioned some stats around LinkedIn and Mm. employees sharing posts and engagement. Are are you able to touch on that? Because I I should have listened even more and took notes, but hence probably talking to you again because I'll fully remember this time. But I remember it being very significant. What what were those stats? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I could obviously rattle off so many stats that that prove my case in terms of building a personal brand and not just individuals building a personal brand, but like I've worked for businesses that have actively discouraged me from posting on social media. Mm. Um, and I think like in hindsight, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I think in hindsight, looking at it like, they had such a toxic culture that they were so scared that things were going to be <laughs> yeah. shared. And like, ah, it's interesting, like, isn't it? Yeah, so interesting that yeah, if, if you're being discouraged, new culture, right? <laughs> and I, I literally, I, I remember being pulled into a, a meeting saying, you know, you can't be posting about work on LinkedIn, you can't be posting about work on Instagram, and I just was absolutely dumbfounded, especially when there's stats like, you know, brand messages that are shared by employees. We shared 24 times more frequently than brand accounts. And the one that kind of really sticks in my mind, you know, is around when brand messages are shared by employees on social media, they get 561% more reach than that brand's mm. account. Yeah, which which is fascinating. It's just incredible, isn't it? But then people are buying into the person, not the brand, aren't they? They're just going, oh, <laughs> If this like if you're willing to share your brand stories and success and I don't know team news or stuff like that, like people love seeing that, don't they? So I, I find it fascinating because I, I see it all the time and and I and I've I've been part of it where you you second guess yourself, going, oh, I really want to post this, but oh yeah, people are gonna mm. people are gonna question me and like I, I work for a great organization that allows me to do many things and I even look after their LinkedIn um, stuff because I love posting success stories and yeah you've got to be careful but it's it's incredible what some companies do to try and stop you and try and I don't know no no wonder no wonder staff don't want to go into the office it's uh... totally and I think you know it, it comes back to I think one of the biggest things that I realized is that you know I think working in different advertising agencies you kind of 
you know, drink the Kool-Aid, right? You go in and you're like, wow, this place is so cool. And I remember one of the first, like one of, one of the first agencies that I worked at, you know, it was such a like grind culture. It was like in at like 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. there till like 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night. And you get, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday went past and you're like, I fucking hate this. Sorry, I don't know if I can swear, mm-hmm. but I'm going to. Yeah, um, you, you can swear. Go <laughs> Um, and you get to Thursday and you're like, ah, that's it. I'm going to go find a new job. Friday, they'd roll out the drinks Mm -hmm. and the snack table and all of that. And you'd have the best time. And you'd be like, wow, this is the best place to work. And you'd buy into that whole culture again and then come back on Monday and then go through that same cycle. And I think, you know, it's not for everybody, but I think fundamentally I kind of bought into the idea that, People were only working with me because of the agency that I represented or the agency that I worked at. And Mm -hmm. starting my business, as terrified as I was when I started my business, I really quickly realized that people weren't working with me because of the business that I was working at. They were working with me because of me and what I brought to the table, how I treated people, you know, how I looked at projects, how I problem solved. And Uh, that's what I look for in my team, right? Like I look at somebody that can go, you know, can someone form a relationship with you? Do you bring chemistry into a room? Like, because fundamentally, like I'm not going to buy Kylie Jenner's new lip liner because I need a new lip liner. I'm buying Kylie Jenner's lip liner so that I can look half like Kylie Jenner. (laughs) right and I think that people buy into the idea of people's products because of who represents them and it works both ways right if you've got a person spearheading a brand and then that person all of a sudden you know has a cheating scandal or you know they've cheated in their sport or in their relationship or something like that how quickly that brand favorability declines because of the person that's attached to that. So true. So true. It's, yeah, it's it's walking a tightrope into as a brand owner. But if you get the right person, oh my God, like the the success you can have with someone who's just phenomenally good with their audience. But yeah, it can go can go the other way, which we've seen many times. Yeah. And I I want to say then, as let's call this a free session for people who. <laughs> want to build their personal brand is there any 101s that you can just say off the top of your head to go if someone was to do something now and go they hate say that say they hate the job which many people always talk about even though they do nothing about it they they hate their job and they go oh and and this is always funny people hate their jobs but then they'll do nothing about it mm. and they're waiting for someone to save them which never never the case you have to put yourself out there. Mm. What would you say are the top, say, two, three or four things that someone should be doing with their personal brand straight away? So firstly, I think if you hate your job, I would say move, leave, um, because you're not a tree, number one. You're not planted where you are. We have this amazing ability to move and try new things mm-hmm. and um, fundamentally like life is not important if you're not happy. And I think that as somebody that has stayed in a job probably for too long, um, there's nothing that beats the feeling of resigning from somewhere that you actually like cannot stand and the weight that is lifted off your shoulders. I also think, and I'll quickly put this in there before we go into like the tips, Mm. is like 
when you're in a business or working for a brand that you you hate, it starts becoming like this rot inside of your brain in terms of, you know, you start questioning, am I actually good at my job? Um, so true. Do I like, you know, this industry? Maybe I'll just change career paths. Like I remember when I left a really toxic agency that I worked for, I really, really strongly considered going into like real estate and having a complete change of um, mm. careers because I was like working for people that were so awful that made me feel mm. as though I was bad at my job when all I needed, you know, they say change is as good as a holiday. All I needed was a, was a change. So I think yeah. um, if you're unhappy, don't sit there and write it out, leave, um, but also know the difference between being unhappy in the long term and having hard work for the short term. Because I think mm. one big thing that I see a lot of people, especially like the generation coming through this industry, is there's a real grey space in terms of them understanding the difference between hard work and burnout. Yeah, very true. Um, very true. So I would say if you're not happy, leave. But know that you're not happy for the right reasons, not that you're just not putting in, in the work and your boss is kind of making you work till five o'clock and making you come into the office three days a week. Like um, I think, you know, there's there's a bit more to that. But, yeah, they're the things that I'd say if you weren't happy in your job. If you wanting to build your personal brand and you don't know where to start, I would say first and first and foremost, do a digital audit. 81% of people heavily research online before making a decision. Now, that is everything from going to a restaurant, that is going to, you know, uh, in, interviewing a new employee, that is interviewing a new, you know, business that or interviewing or going to an interview for a new business that you're working in. 81% of people are looking online before they actually do the thing in person, whether that's meeting a new employee, going to a new business, et cetera. So make sure that when people Google your name, there's nothing that you don't want people to see, right? Now, if you were to Google my name, you will see there's a real plethora of things that come up. And I love that because I'm like, I'm not one-dimensional, right? I don't think you have to completely like whitewash Google in that there's no records of you. Like you'll see for me, there's a handful of stories that come up about my weight loss. Like I lost 64 kilos. I did an interview about it. It aggregated around the world and it was mental. Um, Do you know what? <laughs> While you were talking, I Googled and I was like, oh, who's this? And I was like, holy shit, it's you. <laughs> um, well done. <laughs> I, didn't um, ex- I didn't expect that when I was doing a Google search. I was like, oh, just find a boring LinkedIn page. Yeah. But wow, this is... Well, this this is something we can touch on. Yeah, there we go. Well, you you carry on the. And then I think <laughs> you can. There's also the um you know interviews that I've done around mental health and podcasts that I've been on around mental health, and there are so many people that have go, "Aren't you worried that like a future employee or a client will see that?" And I'm like, "No, because that's who I am. I mm, love that's your story. Yeah. I'm passionate about health and fitness. I'm passionate about mental health." And I will talk about it till the cows come home. But I think that make sure that your digital representation represents who you are. Make sure that those like, you know, photos of you at uni passed out at 4 a.m. Mm. at uni bar are off. Yeah. But, you know, that you need to make sure that what, what's online is an accurate representation of who you are. So do a digital audit first and foremost. Secondly, I would say choose the channel that you want to be on. Don't 
don't bother going, okay, I'm going to be on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, um, LinkedIn, and I'm going to do all of them plus Twitter mm-hmm. because yeah. people go all or nothing. I'm certainly one of those people. Um, they'll go all or nothing and then they're like, it's not working because you're not being consistent. Mm-hmm. And consistency, honestly, I I reckon most problems in the world could be solved with consistency. Um, another thing that I 100% agree with you there. Right? Literally. Like, it's not about being perfect. Now, I'm a mad perfectionist, right? But for me done is better than perfect and showing up every single day mm-hmm. is better than being perfect than not showing up at all um so yeah so choose your channel choose one channel and what i would say is choose the channel that your audience is going to be on mm-hmm. and then or who you want to be talking to is on and then go from there um so whether that's i would always choose a top of funnel channel top of funnel channel that's a mouthful um, because what you, you need to be mindful of is, you know, your TikTok, LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter are your like top of funnel um, channels. And what I mean by that okay. is they're the ones that get the most organic reach that people don't actively have to search you. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, for example, YouTube, you kind of – don't really stumble across people unless you're already on YouTube and you're kind of watching someone else's healthy thing or, you know, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn and Twitter have that kind of higher organic reach. Um, But choose where your audience is going to be. If you're speaking to an audience of Gen Zs, the likelihood of them being on TikTok Mm. versus LinkedIn is higher. So go down that path. If you are talking to an audience of, you know, 28 to 40-year-olds, LinkedIn is probably where it's at. You know, LinkedIn is becoming a lot more popular nowadays, which I love because I spend so much time on there. Um, But, yeah, choose your channel and choose the channel that you're going to spend the most time on and your audience is going to be on. I think also with your channel, it's really important to, you know, if if you don't like creating videos, going on to TikTok is going to be really fucking difficult. <laughs> it's so true. Right? It's so don't be like, oh, true. everyone's on TikTok and therefore I need to start learning to love videos. Don't get me wrong. That's TikTok right. has an amazing reach when it comes to, you know, virality and things like that. But if you're not going to make the videos to go on there consistently, there's absolutely no point in you being on TikTok. So when you're choosing your channel, I would weigh up what is your audience on and what am I good at? and then assess it that way. Um, Incredible. And then I would say the two other things is be clear on what you want to be known for. And when I say what you want to be known for, mm. it's like people really struggle with what they want to be known for because they it's a very egotistical kind of concept of like I want to be known for blah. And it's not mm-hmm. about being famous. It's about what do you want people to say when you leave the room or, you know, after I did my talk then like, what would I want someone to say after I did that talk? You know, Hayley really knows yep. her stuff or, you know, she's very empathetic. Whatever it is, mm. whatever you want to be known for, make sure you have that really clear and that all of your posts ladder up to the one, two or three things that you want to be known for. Yeah, that that is that is fantastic because yeah again i'm finding myself nodding away <laughs> as well and it's it's like doing this podcast it's retail ready and i i went to myself in the early days going who's going to listen to a podcast about supermarkets food trends insights mm-hmm. and personal branding and i go 
you know what? I actually don't care, mm. but there is there was a bigger audience than I thought, and it, it's crazy if you just stay in your lane and and oh, yeah. you're passionate about something that you find the people, and I guess that's that's what I've loved about this new digital age. Mm. Like people can find the people that they want to associate with, and yes, you hear on the news the ex- like the extreme kind of end of um, certain groups, but. I just love that certain groups can now find people they want to hang with, whether whether they're a geek, whether they're into, I don't know, cross-dressing on a Tuesday night. Like you can find these totally. people and you can and you can now be part of a community. And that's what I love. And, yeah, staying in your lane. And I think those tips, well, one, it's funny because I, I, I listen to those tips and go, I've still got stuff to develop and learn on. And it's it's incredible what you're doing what you're doing and who would have thought you'd be doing a business for this like it's 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 incredible that you've found a niche within a niche mm-hmm. of going i'm gonna help people be the best person they can be and this is how i'm gonna do it and i just can't believe your story like literally googling so <laughs> i i know you're into fitness because like i say we're we're, we're now instagram buddies yeah. and you, you look like you're training in a nightclub every morning. Um, so t- tell me about that journey because uh, we're mentioning offline, like there's a lot of similarities between fitness and mm-hmm. business and kind of I always think like I- I've got a theory that if I can do more reps than someone else in, in the business sense, I can outlast my competition. And you, you touched on it there about the consistency. Mm. If I can consistently show up, like I, I'm trying to build a brand myself, and I just go, you know what? I'm happy if it takes another year or another two years. Mm. As long as I'm chipping away, mm. my competition will not be able to con- compete with my stubbornness mm. to just keep going. And as long as you're enjoying it, that is it. So I'm guessing you're enjoying your fitness journey, mm. but where where did that start? Like where did where did that all stem from and um and what have you found along your journey yeah I mean my fitness journey has always it's it's kind of always been like the backbone of what I've done um I think ever since I moved to Australia when I was like 13 um Australia has a big you know sporting culture um and I kind of naturally just found like my fit just doing different sports at school and you know doing you know Iron Man and Iron Woman at the beach and I just I loved it I loved the idea mm. of you know whether it was team sports or individual sports like just being able to consistently challenge yourself um and you know the thing that I love about some of the fitness that I'm doing at the moment is there's never an end goal and I think I think you know you spoke about the similarities between fitness and business is like there are so many right and I consistently use analogies all the time where I compare you know fitness and business you know I have clients that will come to me and I'll sit on our like induction call and I'm like just so you know this is not like a six-month body blast before you go to Ibiza this is like a lifestyle investment right so if you're coming to me for like an eight-week bikini body blitz it's not gonna happen right and I think there's so many um, similarities in it. I think the thing for me that I've found in terms of fitness is it will. there's never an end goal, right? Like the same with business. 
for me, there's not an end goal. It's just to continually build what I'm doing to get better each time, to service my clients better, to learn more. There's not an end goal. Like I don't have a, when I make X, I'll mm. be happy because I think those those goals can really give you like false promises and they're, they're, they're goalposts that always move, right? As you age, your goals change. And at the moment, I love what I'm doing. So I'm like, I love the fact that it's a, it's got no destination, and it's just mm-hmm. about enjoying the journey. And I think the moment that you can move your focus from the destination to enjoying the journey, the more you will learn to love what you do. Um, because I think that especially in today's society, you can look at, you know, TikToks and the celebrities of the world and you go, well, why don't I have a million dollars? Or, you know, how do I become rich as quickly as possible? And you end up just going down this path of seeking money, but that's not the thing that's going to make you happy. And you speak to anybody that has, you know, hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars and they all say the same thing. They have the same problems as we do. So I think, yeah, I think in terms of fitness and my fitness um, journey, I think there's definitely been a lot of similarities um, with with business and and a lot of kind of lessons that I've learned from my fitness journey that I can apply to my business journey. Um, my fitness journey kind of started when I gained a lot of weight post an accident, um, and I won't go into the story too big. I mean, Google it; you'll be able to read all about it. Um, I put on a whole heap of weight. I also moved away from home because I went from training, you know, fifteen times a week for sport to nothing and still eating mm-hmm. like an athlete. Um, I then moved away from home for university and was, you know, free because my mum wasn't on my back about what I could and couldn't eat and I was going out partying four or five times a week and, um, yeah, it just kind of creeps up on you and you kind of – I let go of all the things that made me happy to try and fit in um, yeah. because I went to uni and I knew nobody. So I let go of all the things that I love doing to be able to fit in with the people that I didn't know Um which again in itself is a bit of a lesson because they ended up people being people that don't have the same similarities or likes likes as me. So they're not, you know, people that I can build a a long-term relationship with. Um, But, yeah, I gained 65 kilos or about about that. And then, you know, I I remember sitting watching The Biggest Loser and I don't watch a lot of TV but my family was watching it and I remember walking past – at the time that this young girl, similar age as me with her family, were weighing in at the start of The Biggest Loser. And I remember her weighing in and I vividly remember the weight that she weighed in at was less than what I was at the time. And now I'd never told anybody how much I weighed. Yeah. I just remember sitting there being like, fuck, I've got to do something about this. Like that was a real like... You know, some people need the, like, gentle approach. For me, I just needed my face slapped with that to be like something needs to give. And I wasn't yeah. happy as well. Like, I remember being so physically unhappy, but I just remember thinking it's going to be a lot of fucking hard work mm-hmm. to get to where I want to be. And if I looked at it originally when I started my weight loss journey and gone, okay, I need to lose 65 kilos, I would never have started and I would never have got to where I am today. But instead I started with I'm just going to lose five kilos. Once I've lost five kilos, I'll be happy. And in the first, like, month I lost five kilos and I was like, oh, okay, this is working. Like, I can do this. And Mm -hmm. I literally just picked up, like, 
I hid in spin classes because it was a dark room with loud music. No one could hear me panting or out of breath. No one could see me. Um, and I loved it. And so I started going to spin classes, you know, three times a week consistently. I just literally yep. chose something that I could do consistently. And I think that's a real lesson that I've taken and implemented into my business is I'm not going to sit here and be like, how can I build this massive company that, you know, is self-sufficient and things like that. I mm-hmm. Start by hiring my first person and building a business that is self-sufficient with that person, then hire the next person and, and continue to build on it that way and set those small kind of micro goals get to where I need to get to and then yeah from there I think the consistency has built those habits um that are like my non-negotiables now like for me in terms of how fitness you know built like fits in with my business and my lifestyle is not only is it great for my mental health and like clarity of mind um but it reinforces that consistency is better than perfection it's not about those extremes it's like if I move my body every single day for a minimum of 45 minutes I know that I'll feel better for doing something for myself and I know that that will continually reinforce to me that consistency is better than perfection perfect well I I'm I'm very impressed I'm more impressed than I was a couple of weeks ago and what what a story to finish on because you, you've touched on so many points and this is this is why I really wanted you on the show because not only is it consistency, not only is it a journey that you then can take learnings from. You've just mentioned non negotiables, like not many people have many non negotiables. Not many people have even done a digital audit of themselves. Like mm-hmm. I can't even remember the last time I did mine, and God knows what would come up because <laughs> I've done some random stuff. So it it's incredible. So. I just wanted to say thank you for your time, Hayley, because it's what what a kind of opener um, for people just to go, to, just to take two minutes out of their day, just going, yeah, am I doing, oh, how how am I being um, described when you when you leave the room and is it how you want to be described? And, yeah. and, and are you happy at the end of the day? Are people happy? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if not, then change it. I know, I know you can, you can go, oh, it's not as easy as that. Well, no one is here to save you apart from yourself. So I'm um, I'm really I'm I'm impressed. Thank you very much, Hayley, for being on the show. Thank you for being episode number one. And what what an incredible story. Um is there anything you want to finish off, off on? I always kind of go, if someone wanted to follow more of your stories and watch you train in a nightclub, where can they, where, where, where can they find you? Well, the nightclub is um, G Fitness at Freshwater and it is a vibe. I think I said to you, for me, I'm like the louder the music, whether it's in my ears or in the, the class that I'm in, the bigger distraction it is to what's actually happening there and then. If people <laughs> want to find me, they can either um, reach out on Instagram or LinkedIn, um, either on my own personal account, which is Hayley Westerby, H-A-Y-L-E-Y-W-E-S-T-O-B-Y, or my business page, which is gambit.collective um, and then just Gambit Collective on LinkedIn. So I'm more than happy to chat to anybody that has any questions. Um, as you know, I think fundamentally the biggest things that I see is that people just don't know where to start. And they don't have that action plan to start. So it's like, even if it's one phone call with me, that's like, what do we need to do to get you started? Um, Then people kind of feel that motivation. And then each of those incremental steps kind of help build that kind of that the drive and, and the consistency. And I think those small micro goals help someone to be consistent. 
I think if you go, I'm going to be consistent, it's never going to work. Um, but I think setting kind of tiny little actionable and like realistic goals will really help you get there. So I'm totally open to anybody wanting to. Perfect. Perfect. It's like one of my favorite books, Atomic Habits. Yes, he just same. basically said, get get your gym clothes on. That's the first That's step. It. So you, you don't need to go to the gym, but at least you're telling your brain that you're doing something. Oh. So. Hayley, thank you so much and thank you everyone for listening. I hope you've enjoyed episode one of season two. If you want to listen to season one, I think there's over 90 episodes and some awesome guests to to recap on. But I look forward to bringing episode two. But thank you very much, Hayley, and enjoy. Thanks so much, Ben.